The week is almost over, so pour that coffee. And let's discuss what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Here's Joe Zapecki and Bill McCaution. Should we talk about the government? Good morning and welcome to a very special edition of the Political Power Hour. I'm not Steve Scafidi, I'm Joe Zapecki in the big chair alongside my co-host. I think we got Bill's mic off there. Bill McCashin and I co-hosting without Steve Scafidi. Steve is off on assignment, uh, kicking his feet up on the recliner. I don't know where he is today, but he's not here we are here. We are going to deliver the political power hour just like we do every Friday. Do we have Bill's mic now? Do we have my mic? One second here. Found it. Never mind. There they put me go. in front of the motherboard. That yeah, failure number one. We're only uh, 20, one minute 20 seconds the, in, yeah. and we've got our first technical problem. That's okay. Uh, I'm going to blame Bill as a world traveler today. He's gone from Washington, D.C., got back late last night, Madison to Milwaukee, off to Green Bay today. Where don't you go? Well, it was a busy week on the road, that's for sure. But it's good to be here with you. You're here now. We're going to have fun today with you for the whole three hours. Uh, Later on, we're going to do a very special edition of Ask Bill and Joe Anything. So uh, if anybody who is a fan of the Political Power Hour has had a deep burning question for Mr. McCoshin or a really simple, easy question for me, Joe Zapecki, uh, hit us on the old National Bank Talk and Tax Line, 855-616-1620. But first, let's get into it. We think it was a good week in Madison. I think it was a pretty good week. What was good about it? Well, they passed the Brewers bill with a bipartisan vote. Uh, 19 supporters. Uh, there were 11 Republicans, 8 Democrats. So, an overwhelming majority of the 11 Democrats and not quite a majority of the Republicans, but it was a good bipartisan effort to keep the Milwaukee Brewers in Wisconsin. And that bill evolved over time. A little less money from taxpayers, a little more money from the Brewers. Yeah, and a, maybe a slightly better payback for taxpayers with the ticket tax that gets added to non-Brewers events. So uh, the Senate did make some changes. Uh, you know, let's give credit where credit is due. I mean, Governor Evers was uh, on the phone with Senate Democrats lining up votes. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemieux was working hard to get uh, the votes he needed out of the Republican side. And there were CEOs like John Schlifsky from Northwestern Mutual who are also working the phones really, really hard. So um, I think it's good for the state. You and I have had some slight disagreements about this, but I think at the end of the day, we want to be a major league city and state. No and uh, I think the deal got better as it went along. And the good news is the Brewers are going to be here till 2050, Joe. Do you feel like the Brewers made commitments to do some additional economic development? Did they land the plane on some of the excess parking and development well, around the stadium? Well, not completely. There's a study in there to look at that. I, I just think it makes common sense. Whether you look at Pfizer Forum or the Titletown District in Green Bay, that has worked really, really well. And not just in Wisconsin. I mean, you you yeah. and I have been fortunate enough to go around the country. Other ballparks, be they baseball, football, you name it, 
there's more going on around them. I think right. like San Diego and the Gaslamp District is a, a beautiful example. Oh, or for sure. In D.C. around the National Stadium. Yeah. It, it's a little unusual how kind of set apart AmFam Field feels. And with that manufacturing stuff in the Valley, there, there's enough space. They could do a little something. There's plenty of space. Yeah. And, and, you know, and a little less parking on site would uh, be like Green Bay, where you could park in somebody's yard. That's you okay. So economic development. For, little uh, economic for development for mom West, and pop. West Milwaukee and West yeah. Dallas families. And not the only bipartisan win of the week. There was also the long overdue, some would say, reform to the three-tier alcohol uh, sort of rules of the road. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, so this one has taken some heat on the right. Uh, I, th- I, I think ultimately it was a good bill, and it was um, – there were 14 Republicans who voted for that one. One of the assembly was like 90 votes. It was 94. Yeah. I think it was 94 to 5. I mean, it was it was off the charts. So um, I, I think it was long overdue. There's some griping about how it impacted wedding barns. It it doesn't prohibit wedding barns. It doesn't eliminate wedding barns. It just says, hey, you got to get a liquor license. Yeah. Right? I run a hockey team in Janesville, Wisconsin. You know what? To sell beer there, we have to have a liquor license. It's not that hard. It's, you know, 80 bucks a year. Right. This is not tens of thousands of dollars. It's it's literally less than $100. Maybe in some municipalities it might be $100, but that's it. Yeah. Bill Bill would be happy to tell you if it was a burdensome government (laughs) regulation, but it doesn't seem like it is. But that was the surprise of the week, really. And it's inside baseball. And I don't, I'm going to have to explain this so the listeners understand, but the Senate Republicans have had, since they've had this majority in 2010, a rule that. You need 17 Republican votes to bring anything to the floor. We're just talking about the second bill now, just this week, where that didn't occur. Yeah. Right? There were 11 Republicans on the Brewers bill. There were 14 on the liquor bill. Uh, but this one in particular had um, sort of something really unusual. And that was uh, the the chair, Chris Kapinga, who's the president of the Senate, said uh, this bill got tried to be brought to the floor. He ruled it non-germane, and then he was overruled by his own caucus. I want to stick with this on the other side of the break. That's Bill McCaushin. I'm Joe Zapecki. No Steve Scafidi today, but the political power hour rolls on. You got down there, so what you want? I want bourbon, I want Scott. Welcome back to the political power hour. I'm Joe Zapecki, sitting alongside Bill McCaushin today. We're with you for all three hours. Before the break, we were talking about the reform to the alcohol industry here in Wisconsin. And one of the things I thought was really interesting is when you looked at the statement by, like, the coalition that was working on this, you had everybody from New Glarus Brewing, a Wisconsin brewer who distributes exclusively in Wisconsin in support of this. Uh, You had Quick Trip. Right? right, a small Wisconsin business that has become big little business. Little mom and pop, yeah. What, I don't know if it's a little mom and pop anymore. <laughs> uh, Molson Coors. I mean, you really had broad support for this. Right. And so my question to Bill is, what we saw, you were describing before the break, kind of an unusual path through the legislature. This was not, right. we bring a bill to the floor and we debate it and we go. This was passed as an amendment right. to a different piece of legislation right what do we think was going on there is there anything to that or is this just this had to get done there was such broad support that they found a way well uh i've been involved in politics in wisconsin for 35 years and i had never seen uh anything like this before 
So I asked my mentor, Tommy Thompson, I was with him in Washington, D.C. yesterday. I said, do you ever seen anything like this where the majority party overrules their own chairman? <laughs> and his answer was no. And he's, he's never, been in Wisconsin politics for more than 35 long, years. A long time. So here's the sum and substance of it. The bill passed the assembly on an overwhelming vote. It was like 94 to 5. Uh, came to the Senate and it was basically stuck in committee. And they couldn't get it out of committee. Committee chairs do have some power, ability not to move a bill if they choose not to. So uh, there was a 25-page bill that was on the floor, uh, and the question of whether or not they, they, there was an attempt to bring this up as an amendment to mm-hmm. that bill. And the chairman, Chris Capaga, state senator from the Waukesha area, ruled that, that amendment to be non-germane. So then there was a vote on whether it was or wasn't germane, and he lost, which means his own party Voted against him. Voted against him. And brought the amendment to the floor and the bill passed. Are you ultimately okay with how this played out? Uh, Listen, it's power politics, for sure. It's an unusual move to try and do something like that. Generally, the majority party would go into caucus and work it out, right? They wouldn't want to have, you know, a slaying of the Senate president uh, in in public, but that's what happened. And so the question really is, does the rule of 17 still exist? Or, the rule of 17, meaning you need 17 Republicans in favor of something for it to come to the floor. Correct. Kind of a Wisconsin Republican version of the Hastert rule in the House, yep. where if there isn't a majority of the Republican conference, when Republicans are in the majority, they don't bring a f- piece of federal legislation to the floor. Correct. Or are we going to have bipartisan bills that come to the floor? There's There's dozens of bills like the liquor bill that easily would pass if they got brought to the floor. And certain senators are sitting on those bills. So is it is it open season for the rest of the session? Or did that overruling of the chair sort of destroy the collegiality in the GOP Senate conference? Well, uh, here's what I would say. In Washington, we see an abuse of power, an abuse of like one senator, Tommy Tuberville from yeah. Alabama, holding up hundreds of senior military promotions. What you need to have, in my view, checks and balances. That's yeah. kind of the root of all of this, right? And so if you have... You know, black holes where one person can just say, this is not going to happen. There has to be some mechanism to work around that. Here in the Wisconsin legislature, they appear to have found that. Speaking of that federal issue with military promotions, they're in the process of finding it. They tried one thing last week. Yeah. Now they're trying another thing. You can't have a system that works when just one person can totally gum up the works. So says me, anyways. Uh, I'm Joseph Becky, sitting alongside Bill McCaution. I mentioned it earlier. We're going to do a little special edition of Ask Your Host Anything. Your hosts today are Joe and Bill. we got one great question already I can't wait to get to in the 10 o'clock hour. If you have a question for me or for Bill, something we never get to in the political power hour, text it in, 855-616-1620, and we will be back with more political power hour after the break. Welcome back to the Political Power Hour. I'm Joe Zapecki, sitting alongside Bill McCoshin today. For all three hours, we're not sick of each other yet. Maybe one hour won't be the maximum we can spend in each other's company. No, I think we're going to pull it I off think today. We'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. Rough so, start for McCoshin, let's say. I mean, I sort of hit the iceberg <laughs> on my maiden voyage right away by not turn, knowing how to turn on my mic. We got it out of the way early. Yeah, we did. And, and we got it's going to be good from here on out. And we got the good news, a couple of bipartisan deals in Madison out yeah. of the way early. Now it's time to switch to what I'm pretty sure we're both going to agree is like the bad news of the week. Yeah. Um, political violence has been a topic for the last few years. 
um, not just on January 6th, before it and after it. And this week, a couple of, I would say, peculiar and disturbing incidences. Uh, I can think of three of them in Washington, D.C. I think all of them were Tuesday and Wednesday. First, yeah. you had Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen uh, threatening to fight a, a teamster from Boston. I, I've never thought that was a good idea. Uh, but literally, like, well, he is st- a former MMA fighter. So. I, still. Uh, MMA is different than how the Teamsters get down. So standing up, challenging this guy to a fight in the middle of a Senate hearing, the same day you had former Speaker McCarthy walking behind one of the Republican congressmen who voted to oust him as Speaker and apparently kidney-punching the guy from behind. And then you had a scene outside of the Democratic National Committee where protesters... Uh, you know, pro Palestine. Well, they, they, I'd say pro Hamas. Okay, uh, protesting outside of the DNC, preventing people from leaving the building and getting into some shoving and pushing with Capitol Police. That was, well, not I would say the same eerily reminiscent of the January sixth footage where you had protesters scuffling with police. What the hell is happening? Or the summer of twenty twenty BLM riots. What is going on? What do we make of this? What does it mean? And how do we move beyond it? Because this this can't be what our politics devolves into on a weekly basis. Politics can't be reality TV. We have to tone it down. I mean, ultimately, these folks get elected by the people to serve the people and to do work that's in their interest. Uh, Too often we get distracted and, you know, too many Folks want to get on the, the the cable TV show that night, whether it's a liberal show or a, a conservative show, and you know, rant and rave. And I mean, at the end of the day, there's there's show horses and there's workhorses. We need more workhorses in Congress. There's far too many nut jobs on both sides of the aisle, in my opinion. And I'm, I can throw someone from my side for sure by name, uh, and likely will. But it's we have to tone things down and just do the people's business. This. I mean, I think this is one of the way uh, areas where social media has really hurt the body politic because it's too easy to say something really nasty about somebody else, not to their face. Yeah. And sometimes you can do it anonymously. And we'll come back to that because Nikki Haley made her first big campaign mistake this week, this week on that. But I, I think we have to be more rational, more calm. You know, it, it's OK to have differences. That's what a democracy does. Uh but we don't need to settle it with, you know, a duel. Right. Or canings on the floor of the house. Yeah. I heard Mr. Mullen sort of saying, well, there used to be canings on the floor of the house. Maybe we need to bring that back. No, no, no. Mm, Just yeah, because no. we used to settle things, you know, with guns drawn or fisticuffs does not mean that we need to go back to that. Um, and, and, you know, so I think we we are in full agreement. Shocking. Like, just take a breath. Yeah. What what I go back to is your political opponents are just that. They are your opponents. They are your rivals. They are not your enemies. Right. Right. We are all Americans. If you are putting up with, let's be honest, some of the frustration and like inconveniences that go with representing people and serving in Congress, which, listen, there's a lot of perks. I'm not here to you know shed a tear for yeah. members of Congress. Me either. But, but there's also, you know. There's sacrifice involved. There's time away from your family. And whether you have a D or an R after your name, if you can't recognize that it is a sacrifice and an honor at the same time and act accordingly, like, what are we doing? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I actually get a lot of comments about this show from a variety of different sources, even in Madison. And uh, the thing people seem to like about it is you and I can disagree agreeably, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to yell at each other. We can actually be passionate about our position and often are. Yeah, Steve's uh, usually the one yelling at me, though. I like that. <laughs> where is he today? Huh? Uh, after the 30-point buck. But I, I, I think that's the way you resolve differences, or you at least find some common ground or alignment on some things that are in the people's benefits. So it's it, it's great to be passionate. It's it's great to be strong in your convictions. But at the end of the day, challenging someone to a fight in the well of the United States Supreme uh, Senate or having a physical battle outside the Democratic National Committee because you don't agree with the president's support of Israel. I mean, come on. Yeah. What are we doing here? What we are doing here is the political power hour. Well said by Bill McCashin. The text line is blowing up. Keep them coming. We've got some people who think we're talking too much about alcohol. We ought to talk more about cannabis and marijuana. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll chop some of those up. If you've got questions for Bill or myself, we're going to do a special edition of Ask Joe and Bill Anything. 855-616-1620 on the talk and text line. More of the political power hour after this. Charlie's bringing the gas today. That's right. We said we wanted the energy. Welcome back to the Political Power Hour on AM620 WTMJ. I'm Joe Zepecki. He's Bill McCashin. We don't have Steve Scafidi today, but I think we're doing all right. We're getting some some texts that uh, are offering some constructive feedback and some yeah. praise. Yeah. Best of all worlds. Um, now, listen, I have uh, teased you and Steve, sort of the premier Nikki Haley fanboys of America. Well, he is. I'm an open, <laughs> I, I'm undecided. <laughs> uh, you mentioned her first gaffe. Let's yeah. turn to presidential politics for a segment yeah. here. Where, where did she step into it? What does it mean? Well, she, she's been on a roll and uh, climbing in the polls, including in the Marquette poll over the uh, uh, that was released this week, the national poll. Uh, she may not be winning in Wisconsin, but she's doing really, really well uh, in the suburbs. Uh, nationally, she seems to be the strongest candidate against Joe Biden. Uh, and there could be a lot of reasons for that. Um, Among but, them that she's still the least well-known. Uh, yeah, but I think that's okay. I mean, because they're comparing her against what they do know, right? And, and they're not comfortable with what they do know. And so this week, Nikki Haley, for whatever reason, said uh, that we should not have anonymous uh, social media and we should disclose all that and that they're a threat to national security. And, uh, you know, I actually understand her point and, and I don't engage on social media with people who have uh, a handle and aren't their own name and you don't know who they are. I just don't engage in that. But it was, it's sort of anti-free speech. And so the, the, I would call them uh, the mega crowd went crazy on her, right? That she's, uh, a neocon and this and that. And, uh, it, it was a misstep. She's tried to clean it up. Not well. Uh, I, I would say of the contenders in the race, she has run the best campaign so far. This week was not her best week. Let's get into the cleanup though, because as I understand it, and I'm not watching the Republican primary quite as close as you are is what she came out and said is, listen, if you are an American citizen, you get to have your say. Yep. What we cannot have in our politics is Russia, China, yep. whoever, our adversaries. And we know 
from the Mueller investigation that, for example, Russia set up these essentially t- Twitter troll farms during the 2016 election. And so if the Twitter handle is at XYZ345 and they are pumping disinformation or right. misinformation or are creating narratives in our politics that are dividing Americans, that is a national security risk. You know, we're not going to get into the whole 2016 Russian interference thing today, right. but we can agree that as Americans, we should be able to fight out our politics. Yep. But there's no place for foreign adversaries to impact our politics. So, it, you know, now what is the solution to that? Is there some type of verification of I want to go on Twitter or Facebook as an anonymous, you know, egg and say, you know, instead of Joe Zapecki, it's I'm, you know, Jay Z3, but nobody knows who that is. How do you verify that? Can you trust the social media companies to do that? Can you use, you know, IP addresses that are unique to the United States? So it is a nuanced argument. I find it interesting that someone with the most foreign policy, national security credibility on the Republican side really got piled onto for what I think is a pretty common sense notion or idea, even if the execution of it is pretty hard. Uh, Here's where I maybe the libertarian in me comes out or maybe I'm the real conservative on this issue, but I'm there's a lot in our party, including Nikki Haley who say ban TikTok. I think that's stupid. You know what? That's where kids are today. If Republicans want to communicate with kids, you, you're going to have to use the platforms or the mediums that they use. There's a better way to do this. And, and that is to change the protections that exist for those providers, those super highways, so to speak on the social media and regulate them. Make it their business to take that that content down that's inflammatory or or incorrect or whatever. Let people say what they want to say, and if they want to hide behind a curtain, fine. But somebody should be, be responsible for that content. I'd rather have that system than banning it altogether. This leads to one of the more interesting things I've seen this week that triggered tripped my trigger. I'm seeing outrage that... Air quoting here. All of these young people in America are citing a bin Laden text from 20 plus years ago yep. that was sort of his defense or argument for waging jihad against the United States. And apparently, I haven't seen this because I'm not on TikTok. You have all these young Americans who are now saying, well, bin Laden had a point. First of all, no, he did not. Second of all, given what we've seen since 2015, my first question was, is this actually happening? Or is this there's eight paid actors or 10 knucklehead kids and some you know foreign entity is goosing the algorithm because there's just no question that that narrative is harmful to our politics. It makes generations that are not the Zoomers go, these dang kids don't know what they're talking about. How dare they embrace Bin Laden? And I'm going to say, I don't think they are. Anybody with a brain on their head knows that the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks has no redeemable qualities, and he met the only end that he deserved at the end of you know a SEAL Team 6 raid. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I don't know what to make of it, and I consider myself a pretty informed, pretty educated guy. So maybe that's the the takeaway: is like this is really complicated, potentially very dangerous, and I'm going to give Nikki Haley one point for at least maybe trying to offer a solution or a different way of doing things. Is that fair? That like leaders should be trying to figure out how we address this stuff? Well, and. 
go back to college campuses. All right, A lot of this is occurring on college campuses. If anyone, this is where I'm going to disagree with Candace Owens, who I agree with on many, many things, thinks she's super bright, thinks she's a great uh, advocate for the conservative movement. She said, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when Harvard got involved in this sort of in a pro-Hamas way, uh, there were folks on, on Wall Street who said, we're not hiring anyone who's involved in that, right? And she came out against that. And I was like, no, 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 no. Kids today don't learn enough reality lessons, right? There have to be consequences for dumb decisions. Right. You make choices. You make actions. There you, have to be consequences you play stupid games, for dumb you decisions. Stupid if you are tweeting or TikToking that, and by the way, I, I have a TikTok. I've never used it myself, but my kids send me funny things off it, right? So I do watch things on it, but I've never actually posted it. I don't quite know how. But we're going to teach Bill how to it, do a TikTok. If you are later. doing that, if you are posting that Osama bin Laden was right. Guess what? You are never getting a job at my company. Never. Yeah. That stuff lives forever, young people out there. And and if you are interviewing for a job this year, next year, or in two years, and you haven't found a way to scrub that, guess what? You're going to find your first reality when you get to that job interview and that male or female says to you, ah, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, we are uh, we are cooking with gas now. We are getting questions coming in that we're going to get to in the next hour. The sort of ask Bill and Joe anything of it. Uh, we sort of got sidetracked there. I just want, real quick, when we come back, we're going to talk about the state of the race, the Nikki Haley the surge. The poll, Joe Biden. We can get to the, the polling <laughs> as such as it is uh, here on the Political Power Hour. Keep your questions coming. Ask Bill and Joe anything. 855-616-1620. More after the break. Good Friday morning. I'm Bill McCashin from the right, sitting in with Joe Zapecki from the left. Joe, we had a series of brand new national polls out this week where your guy, Joe Biden, is sort of taking it on the chin. Not only from Don, he, he's losing to Donald Trump in almost in actually in every poll that was released this week, including Marquette Law School. He's losing to uh, Ron DeSantis by a slightly closer margin, and he's getting crushed by Nikki Haley. So. Joe Biden said last week to reporter Peter Ducey on the tarmac, he said, you're not looking at the right polls. I'm ahead in eight of the ten swing state polls. Where are those polls, Joe? And what's going on with your guy? Would you accept polls don't vote people do as an answer? (laughs) Uh, No, listen, this is um, President Biden is not in good political shape right now. However, a couple caveats. Number one, we've been here before. Barack Obama's yeah. worst month of polling was the November before his reelect in 2012. And that election ended up not being close. The right. second thing I would say is the most important poll this week was by a group on the left that instead of just doing the horse race stuff, did some comparisons and some economic messaging. Right. As opposed to saying, like, hey, is the economy good? Do you want to you know, do you want the Trump policies or the Biden policies actually testing the difference under president Trump taxes were cut for the, the wealthiest Americans and it added this many trillions of dollars to the national debt uh, under Joe Biden. Uh, Medicare has been strengthened and the big drunk companies can no longer raise prices faster than inflation. And it sort of laid out some of the policy differences. And when you do it that way, what you find is way more American side with Joe Biden than Donald Trump's economic policies. So, what that does, and what Bill knows, because we're both political practitioners, yep. 
is that campaigns don't operate in vacuums. They're not actually just popularity contests. Both sides get a say. And right now, there's not a lot of conversation about Trump's economic policies that didn't work for working Americans, right? It's just people that have this this memory of like, well, before COVID, you know, like the, the economy was going pretty good. Yes, no question. And there's no conversation of what President Trump did that prolonged the pandemic and hurt people's pocketbooks through that. There's no conversation about his role. Well, I've been talking about it. <laughs> there's, a, there's, no, there's no conversation about his role in overturning Roe v. Wade. These are all things that we can talk about on talk radio, and those 5% of the American people who are most engaged in news and politics are aware of. But until you have a billion dollars on TV and digital delivering these arguments to the American people, it's what I would say is like a not yet fully informed ballot choice. And so we got a I'm long way to go on here. I, I think what you're telling the listeners is ultimately elections are a choice. And the voters don't have all of the variables before them at this point in time. So they're, this is sort of a hypothetical uh, uh, horse race at this point. But but the internals on the poll, Joe, have Trump leading on every single issue other than climate change and abortion. So I, I said this a week ago. I'll say it, you know, until the end of time. I think there are three issues that really make this reelection very difficult for Joe Biden. I still don't believe he's going to be the nominee, but his age, number one, I think he looked really old in his meetings with President Xi from China this week. He got a great joke off, though, right? He's talking about President Hu and then says, oh, man. and then says, this is not an Abbott and Costello. And, and then routine. calls him a dictator and Tony Blinken almost has a heart attack. He is a dictator. <laughs> I thought your side liked candor. Oh, holy smoke. So his age, uh, are you better off today than you were four years ago under Donald Trump? And is the world a safer place? I think those three things is all are all Republicans have to package to win this election and, and forget all the other things. Uh, but we can't seem to help ourselves. You know, we, we want to, we want to go off message The the more crystal clear Republicans can be on this, the sooner they're going to force Biden to say, mm, you know, I, I, I was the bridge. I always told you I was the bridge and you know, it's time for someone else to cross that bridge. Uh, we'll take it out for this segment from the two, six, two Joe and bill. I understand why president Biden's numbers are where they are. But how can anyone with a brain or a beating heart support Trump? <laughs> Thank you to the 262 for that. The texts are rolling in. The questions are coming in. Uh, we're going to wrap up the political power hour after the break with the grab bag. Uh, and then in the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to start things with the Ask Bill and Joe Anything. We've got a, a number of great questions. Some are political, some are not. And then we're going to transition to talking about sports and what lies ahead for our Badgers and Packers and Bucks and, and Brewers. Uh, so stick with us. We'll be back after this. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Political Power Hour with Bill and Joe. I'm Joe. He's Bill. We've got a great question to wrap this up before we get to the grab bag. Jeff from Fox Point says, I stopped paying attention to Nikki Haley and the other Republican candidates because I think that it's going to be Trump versus Biden. Am I wrong? Why or why not? Bill. It's a great question. And the notion of inevitability grows every day for Donald Trump. His folks are obviously promoting that, but so is what's going on in the campaign itself. The longer there are multiple candidates in this race, the more it benefits Donald Trump. There's no question about that. He's winning not only 
nationally, but he is winning in Iowa and he's winning in New Hampshire and he's winning in South Carolina. Those are the first three. Listen, at some point soon, Haley, DeSantis, Christie are going to have to start cutting deals, right? Let's remind our listeners for a second. Joe Biden took fifth in Iowa. He took fourth in uh, New Hampshire. He, he was flying sort of on the dead plane to South Carolina. And Jim <laughs> Clyburn comes to his rescue. Oh, Barack Obama starts working the phones. They clear the field and Joe Biden wins overwhelmingly in South Carolina and the race is over. You guys going to do that to get Trump out of the way? Uh, no, we're not that organized. <laughs> uh, but listen, it may be Trump, uh, maybe Haley and DeSantis can survive through New Hampshire, but that's it. I mean, they, at that point, it's got to be one and, and they have to be united. The one has to endorse the other. Uh, Christie's got to be part of that package. And then you have to have these governors like Brian Kemp, John Sununu Jr., uh, Chris Sununu, excuse me, um, get behind someone other than Trump. So it, it, I think that's when you're going to see this happen. Uh, but it might be too late at that point in time because a lot of people, to the caller's question, uh, they're, they're starting to feel like, well, that he's going to be the nominee, so why do I even care? My answer is shorter than Bill's. Jeff from Fox Point is right. It's going to be Trump versus Biden. Buckle up, folks. Grab bag. What do you got? <laughs> All right. I got two. Uh, my mentor, Governor Tommy Thompson, longest-serving governor in Wisconsin history, also secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services under George W. Bush, president of the University of Wisconsin system. He will be 82 years old on Sunday. Happy birthday, sir. I had one of my greatest days with him ever up at his farm in Elroy on Monday. And, you know, of the thousands of memories I have with him, that might be my favorite. So happy birthday, Tommy. Uh, secondly, Tim Sheehy. He is uh, the uh, retired now president of MMAC. Tim Sheehy has been not only a mainstay in Milwaukee, but he has been the voice of the Milwaukee business community in the Madison in, in the capital. Uh, Tim has had a lot of policy successes on behalf of the business community over the years, but 2023 may have been Tim's best year ever. Uh, he was deeply involved in the school choice uh, issue, and we all know that school choice, choice and charters got their largest increase in funding ever in this biennial budget was signed by a Democratic governor. Tim was instrumentally involved in the Milwaukee Brewers issue. Uh, he's been involved in so many things, and we're going to talk about Microsoft in the 11 o'clock hour. And by the way, we're getting texts from people saying, don't talk about politics for three hours. Don't worry. There will be a little bit of that, but uh, we're going to move on to other topics for sure. That's What's right. in your grab bag? Uh, just one to watch. So we have talked a lot about Janet Protosewitz winning the election in April, uh, sending to the state Supreme Court, the sort of flip in the balance. And then there was the impeachment threats. And now it looks like they're not going to impeach. And all of this sound and fury. And there hasn't really been anything major that has happened. That is about to start changing. Uh, next week, there will be oral arguments sort of kicking off the big case, the redistricting case. Yep. And so just a, a an alert, uh, the, the state Supreme Court is coming back to your news stations and your talk radio and your, your Facebook feeds. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about it today. Um, a separate question before the court, potentially, around the school choice or voucher program. Tony Evers and Robin it. Voss agreed. And we may get into the. I don't actually know if we're here next Friday. I, I forgot to ask Steve. I'm that. not. I'm in California. There you go. All right. No political yeah. power hour next <laughs> week while we're celebrating Thanksgiving. Uh, but we will be back the week after. And we might have some like real state Supreme Court stuff to watch then. 